This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and of course, I am a small animal veterinarian and really dedicated cat lover. Today, I have with me Dr. Mary Gardner. Dr. Gardner is amazing. I know I say everybody's amazing, but they are. She is specifically amazing because her mission has been to improve the lives of senior pets and those that care for them, and she has a brand new book called Nine Lives Are Not Enough. So I want to talk with Dr. Gardner a little bit today about what's in the book because it's got a bunch of helpful things and a bunch of knowledge that all of my listeners are really going to want to know about. So we're going to come back after a quick break and talk with Dr. Gardner. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I have Dr. Mary Gardner here with me. Hi, Dr. Gardner. Hi, how are you? I am excellent. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm so excited to talk about your new book. Oh, I'm so excited to talk too. I know you, but I want my listeners to know you too. And you have a a cool story. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, yeah, I I guess it is a little cool story. So although I am a veterinarian, I actually uh, became one after a long career in software. So I didn't become a vet until my mid thirties and it was after the loss of my own pet that I decided to change careers and try something new. And I, and I love being a veterinarian. I was in general practice for about a year when I really thought this wasn't the impact I wanted to make. And I was searching for something else. And I teamed up with a fellow university of Florida Gator. Dr. Danny McVitie, who was doing end-of-life care. And together, we started to uh, build and, and grow a company called Lap of Love Veterinary Hospice. And we exclusively help families in their home with, with end-of-life care, including hospice and euthanasia. And I've been doing that since 2010. Everybody thinks it's very depressing, which it is sad. But I know that the impact the loss of my pet had on me you know, leaving a career and going to a new career that it can be just life changing. And if I can make it a little bit better for a family, then I've come full circle. That's the work part of me. And it's been a wonderful niche. And I, and I love the families that we can help. And I love the older pets. And that's where I think the love of the older pets has, has come because of that. And, and I see the struggles when I go to homes, I see the struggles that families have had with their dogs or cats that are aging or terminally ill. And that's where you know, my heart is, is helping those older pets. 
Well, as a general practitioner, veterinarian, I can say that this niche is very important to me because frequently I get calls from owners and with pets that I've taken care of for a long time, and they want me to come to their home for the end of life visit. And it's just really hard because I've got a full schedule. Sometimes I'm the only doctor there. And so we absolutely have a lap of love um, practitioner that we depend on a lot. And so I just thank you for coming up with this because it's very (laughs) important to me. It is. And when I was in general practice, the the same thing happened to me too, Dr. Cat. Like, you know, a family would need me and I couldn't come until, you know, after work. And then that was my family time. And it just wasn't feasible on on the needed basis that, that it is needed for our families. So it's, it's nice to exclusively do that and let them return to you for their other care, but we can help with this important moment. Yes, I love it. It's a great idea. So this book, so all of my listeners, of course, are cat lovers, and um, I think cats are underserved. And I frustratingly discuss, I'll see a, a client that I've taken care of their dog for 12 years or whatever, and they'll call and say, yeah, my 15-year-old cat is drinking too much water and losing weight. And I'm like, what? You have a cat? So that's frustrating to me. So I want that part of my mission with this show is to get people to realize their cats have medical needs too. And I think this book fits in. So can we talk a little bit about kind of what's in the book? Yeah, for sure. So one of the things that I realized and I've done uh, data on this is that almost 60% of cats are not seen by their veterinarian their last 18 months of life. And that's a a massive amount of their lifespan, right? It's almost the last 10% of their life is not under medical care. And these families are, you know, they, they're, they're struggling with things. They don't understand the changes. Maybe they just think it's an old, you know, it's just Rusty's getting older, but there's a lot of things that we could do and help them with. And so when I designed the book, I really wanted to make sure that I, that I hit all of the, the ailments that a pet has, not necessarily the disease that the cat has, because a lot of them don't know what disease they may have. And we know that a number of diseases cause the same struggle. So for instance, you can have diabetes and kidney failure and they're peeing a lot and they're peeing outside the litter box and and things like that. So I have the book in four sections. And the first section is really interesting data on why and how cats age and what we can do to to help get them to nine lives (laughs) or beyond, let's say. And, you know, and and why is it that... um, that certain certain breeds live longer than others, and uh, and the and the different science that is out there to examine the aging process, and like I said, how we, how we can extend it. The the second part of the book is probably the most practical use case of the book, and that is many chapters on on all the different problems. So mobility, and as you know, so many cats struggle with mobility issues or, or arthritis, and nobody knows it, or the family doesn't know it. Because with our dogs, they're out for walks, right? And so we could see that he's not going as long or he's struggling to get up the stairs. But, but I don't think we notice our cats that are struggling with arthritis as much. And so mobility issues is, is a massive problem, but it's just under, you know, undercover, let's say. And, and someone, I'm sure you've had this with some of your families that come in and they say, you know, Herbie's not going up on the, on the windowsill anymore. He's not sitting on his, his favorite sunny spot because he can't get there. <laughs> So I focus on ways that we can manage or or set up the house so that way the cat can get to the sunny spot, can get into the bed, can get onto the couch, 
and ways that we can make sure that they have traction and stability. I have a chapter on vision loss, on inappetence, on muscle, you know, muscle condition. And as you know, these skinny, we call them crunchy cats, don't we? And because they're just so muscle wasting. And why is that happening? What can we do to to help them get their muscle strength and or continue to get their muscle strength? Incontinence and hygiene is very important for these older cats. Let's say a cat's got arthritis, they can't groom themselves. And so what are the products that are out there that can help with, with keeping them them clean and not matted in the litter box. If you're an 18 year old crunchy cat and you're trying to get into your litter box that is, you know, was set up for a four year old cat, that could be a, a really hard thing. So I've got a ton of different litter box suggestions. So that second part is just covers so many of the ailments our pets are having and practical ways that we can set up our house, products that I recommend, and just the tips, the home hacks, I call them, keep those cats happy healthy, moving around and, and, and lighten the burden. So then the, the fourth section is a lot about caregiver burden because it, it is a lot. And I think there's a lot of disenfranchised grief out there, which means like, oh, it's just a cat. Don't worry about it. Like, it's not a big deal. But, you know, we are struggling as caregivers to these cats. And I want to make sure that the families feel supported and that, you know, anticipatory, I talk about anticipatory grief, which is a real thing when we, when we have a, you know, either a diagnosis or advanced age cat. And we know that there's a lot more time that, you know, left behind us than ahead of us. And that could, that could really be a struggle on our hearts. So I go over caregiver, um, caregiver stress, goals of care, veterinary hospice, and a big chapter on how to assess the quality of life and make the very difficult decision of saying goodbye. And that's probably when I lecture my number one lecture uh, to veterinarians is how to help families with that, with that very difficult decision. So that's a, a really important chapter in that third section. And then the last section, I want owners to be prepared. And so when the time comes to say goodbye, I want them to understand the options that they have. I think too many, too many people wait until the very end to have this conversation. And then it's a shock. They don't know all their options. So I want to talk about, about euthanasia. What is it? I don't want it to be a scary thing. If a family is is set on not doing euthanasia, what does that mean? What may they see? What do we want to make sure that we prevent for our pet to, to not have any suffering during the dying process? I also talk about aftercare and the different cremation options out there. Um, so there's you know a lot of options for families. And, uh, and then lastly, also the way that we can help memorialize them. So all the different, I have like 75 product ideas or, or memorialization ideas. And it's just, that was really fun to, to come up with all the ways that we can remember our, our little kitties. So that's it. Like in a nutshell, it's pretty big though. Yeah. Well, but I think that, that some points you made, I want to kind of make better that this book is for anyone. Even if you have a younger cat, it's helpful to start to know ways that you can improve things. So yeah, I, I wanted to, to mention that because Improving the quality and length of your cat's life is really the goal of everyone. It is. You know, thank you for saying that. It's my father read this book and he's like, I think every cat owner needs to have this in the beginning, like, because there are things that we could do in the beginning or, or as adult cats to help them live longer and better. And it's also with us, you know, as, as humans, we, we, we eat better, we exercise more, we do things better when we have problems, right? It's like, <laughs> ugh. I have diabetes. I'm going to start eating healthy. We should start sooner. And, um, but that's hard. It's hard for us to do. Right. 
But we are in charge of our cats' lives. And we made a promise when we got them to take the best care of them. And so I do think starting earlier and being prepared will be so helpful. And it will, it absolutely scientifically proven will extend their lives. Well, I I do want to take another quick break, but then I want to come back and talk about some of the specific aging things. You mentioned the mobility issue, but there's some other things. So let's take a quick break and come right back. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. So Dr. Mary Gardner and I are talking about aging in cats and her new book, Nine Lives Are Not Enough. So I wanted specifically to go into some issues because I don't think people realize that cats can suffer from brain aging or cognitive dysfunction. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, thank you for bringing that up. So many uh, people, well, not so many people, but a lot of people have heard of canine cognitive dysfunction, right? So our dogs could have flippantly say doggy Alzheimer's, but cats get it as well. And the aging process that happens with us is with us humans as well, is something that happens a lot in our brains, right? So so we will have some cognitive dysfunction and, and it starts around seven years old. And I know people might say, well, that's kind of young, but it's it's the start of it. And typically by double digits, they're actively showing signs of cognitive dysfunction. And with cats, sometimes it just, pre- it may present as a little disoriented or not remembering where their litter box was, right? Or... <laughs> Or maybe having an accident because they because they can't remember where it is. Um, there could be some behavioral changes. But one thing I've seen a lot is the howling. So the you know at two a.m. and and keeping the family up at night. It's actually more common than people realize. And when we when I say to them, you know, does your cat show all these signs? Or some of them, they may say, Yeah, I just I just thought he was getting older. And correct, but age brings I, you know, we always say age is not a disease, but age brings dis-ease. The brain is an organ, basically, that that starts to have, have some struggles. And in my book, I have a, a cognitive assessment checklist that the owners can, um, can, can, there's a little QR code, they can go to it, and they could fill out this form that has 
a lot of the different signs that, that we'll see. And if we, can, if we can address it sooner than later, there's so many nutraceutical products out there, food products, enrichment ideas. I talk about it, games and enrichment, and uh, we can help slow the progression down. There is no cure, but we can help slow it down. So I'm glad you brought that one up because it's, it's a big problem. Well, I love that you're so practical. Because I think that that's something we sometimes skip over in the veterinary world because yeah. we forget what it's like to be at home with a pet when you don't have all the knowledge we have. So right. I've loved that. So what about some of the other aging things? What about vision? So a lot of vision happens as pets get older. It's usually like the last third of their lifespan. They could get major things in cats, you know, cataracts, retinal degeneration, you know, because of other diseases like hyperthyroidism. There could be some issues with their eyes and, and also kidney failure. Like so many things affect our vision, but also just aging can. So uh, nuclear sclerosis, the, just the, the hardening basically of the lens where they can't see so well through it. But it's not that I don't care, but I don't necessarily focus on, you know, the, the details of a certain disease. I want to focus on whatever the reason is your cat is losing their vision. How can we help them? How can we set up the house? So that way they're safe, that they're comfortable, that they've got their place to kind of, you know, be secure at. Because a lot of times when they start to have vision issues and they have cognitive dysfunction and they've got pain, they need their safe spot and, uh, and to feel comfortable. So, you know, I, I talk about a number of reasons why a cat may have vision issues, but I really want to focus, like you said, on the practical things that we could do to keep them safe and happy in their home regardless of the reason why. But I also do want to encourage, I have in almost every chapter, things that you should ask your veterinarian. So if you're seeing XYZ, you should be asking your veterinarian all these things and, and bring your cat in because I don't want people to say, well, he's just getting old. Yes, he is. So are we. But we should go see our doctor because if we catch, the, the sooner we catch things, the better the lives will be. And that I, I encourage that in every single one of my chapters. So I hope this also helps veterinarians where families come in a little bit more prepared and they've got their checklists, uh, like so many checklists are in my book too. So that way they can come and be prepared and have a, a better conversation with their vets. That way we could focus on the things that they're struggling with. Well, that was what I was totally going to say. You beat me to it, but you said in every opportunity you say, see your vet, every podcast that I have, I say, include your veterinarian in these choices because if there is a disease that needs some medical management, your veterinarian will be your partner. In yeah. caring for that disease. So you mentioned safety and environmental enrichment. That is something that I talk about a lot on this show. Could you give us maybe just a little example of some of your hacks about environmental enrichment? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. So so enrichment's kind of fun, right? As I said, so many cats have cognitive dysfunction, but they also get a little bored as they get older. And there's so many things that we could do in the in the house that to make it a little bit more more fun and and keep the brain functioning. So I've got a number of product suggestions out there for cognitive dysfunction, whether it's mazes and, you know, food games and things like that. But we can do so many like cheap versions of home hacks for enrichment. For instance, get your toilet paper roll and just, you know, poke holes in it and, uh, you know, staple the ends of it and put some food in there and they'll roll around with that and, and use that as a game toy. There's just a lot of great ideas that families have shared with me. But the safety aspect, too, I just think people forget about, you know, it, it's like if you've got a geriatric family member, you have to set up your house so that way they don't slip. They've got, you know, grab bars coming out of the shower and things like that. And 
So I talk about all the different products that are available, like like ramps and stairs and things like that, but also some cheap versions of things. For instance, if you want to make sure that your cat doesn't go up or down a certain set of stairs because it's a, it's a little risky or whatever the, the issue may be. So many people say, oh, get a baby gate. Well, a baby gate is $80 and it's a hassle and it's not always easy to put them up. So you could get tension rods like shower curtain rods or you know curtain rods. And there may be $2 at Walmart and you could put just two or three shower curtain rods at where you would put a baby gate. And, you know, and usually these cats aren't jumping very high anymore. And just to keep them safe, you know, in a spot or, or keep them away from certain spots. But there's like a back to this vision thing, night lights, these, you know, these kitty cats need to need to know where they're going. And I know that so many people say, oh, well, you know, they've got their whiskers, so they don't, they, you know, they don't bump into things like, there's so much more for caring for a cat and the things that we can do. It's endless. This is why the book is like almost 500 pages. <laughs> it's big. Well, I love that. I talk about nightlights. And I talk about a lot of this stuff. So, I know. <laughs> hey, maybe I need to just hand out your book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, to be honest, that's kind of why I made it, right? I've learned over the, the 13 years of helping geriatric pets that there are cool things that I've learned from my families. Like the families have taught me. I'm like, wow, I never thought to use that. And the families have taught me so much and I just needed to collate it all together and get all my ideas out there and thoughts. And, you know, I lecture at the veterinary conferences a lot, but us veterinarians, we, you know, we, we don't have as much time to talk about the home care. Then it's a lot more about the medicine, which is vital and important. That's why we have to go to see our veterinarian. But unless the family brings in pictures and videos and talks about the environment, we're not, we're asking some of the obvious questions like about the litter box, but you know, sometimes we don't ask more questions. Is there another cat in the house? Is there another dog in the house that could be, you know, making them a little bit more unsafe or irate or something like that? Are there toddlers in the house that need to be taught how to hold this 19-year-old geriatric cat? So I think I needed to put it all on paper and I kept writing and writing and writing. So three years later, it's this big book. <laughs> Well, I love it. There are a couple other things that I really want to go over with okay. you because I see it in my practice. So for example, some of our age associated diseases require some pretty intensive at home care, like maybe fluids subcutaneously or, or handling special diets. So I worry about my families. And so I want to talk with you a little bit about the caregiver stress and the, just the burden of care. Thank, yeah. Thank you so much. Cause people don't understand how much time it takes. And on average, if you're dealing with a terminally ill or, or a pet, that's got a lot of issues. Now I didn't break it between dog and cat, but on average, it's three hours a day that some of our caregivers are whether it's, you know, cleaning up after them, um, you know, preparing their meals, trying to get medicine down, you know, down them, just worrying and stressing about them three hours. That's, that's a lot of our day caring for them. Now, I would do it for 24 hours, right? Like I love my cats, but that can take a lot out of us. And so in the chapter I have on caregiver burden, there is studies that have been done that I reference and I have some websites for, for really good coping mechanisms and things like that. But it could lead to depression, stress, um, isolation, things like that. And I don't think we appreciate the amount of time and mental energy, the emotional budget that we suck up when we're dealing with, with our aging pets. Also, boarding our pets and putting them, if we want to go on vacation, which I think we need to, it's not easy to find a facility that you trust with your aged cat or one that needs to get sub-Q fluids and maybe your veterinary clinic isn't open. Like there's a lot that goes into this. And I think 
those that aren't in it don't totally understand it. I think I appreciate now that I've had my own older cats that I've gone through a lot with, I can appreciate how hard it is and the help that families need. So, yes. And I want to get back to that because I say a lot at end of life visits, there is no wrong answer here. And because it's a person's journey too, but I do want to talk with you also, since you're my hostage here, I do want to talk about assessing quality of life. So do you have, do you have checklists? Cause you usually have checklists. I do. I know I'm a checklist girl. I do. I have, and actually, sorry, I actually have a caregiver assessment checklist also. <laughs> so awesome. <there's>, <laughs> I, <laughs> I forgot. How can I forget? But I have that and I do have quality of life assessment is probably my my superpower if I was to say I have one. I'm really good at helping families go through this personal decision because what you would do and what I would do and what a family would do could be very different. And I don't mean that as veterinarians, just people. We may make decisions based on a number of factors. So I love having the quality of life discussion with families. So I do have a checklist of qu assessing quality of life for your cat in the book. But I always think of the pet's personality because every cat is different and what one cat can tolerate is different than another. And, you know, quality of life, if, if you're chasing after your cat to give medication and the human animal bond is broken and they've got caregiver aversion and they don't want to be near you, that's not quality of life, right? And then we know that we have some other cats that take a pill easy and sub -Q fluids like no problem. There are also budgets of life that I talk with families about, and it goes a little bit with the caregiver. So there's the financial budget. How much can we afford? And, and at, towards the end of life, there's actually, you know, it's not always very expensive. Um, and luckily with cats, they're small. So they're not, the medicine isn't for a hundred pound dog like it can be. But there's the, the physical budget. Can, can they physically manage caring for this pet? Do they have the time budget? And do they have the emotional budget? So the, the caregiver quality of life is important, but the, the cat's quality of life is, is key as well. And, you know, in general, there's, there's a moment of time where I won't ever euthanize a certain a, a cat because their their quality of life is great on the other end as i'm sure you you know and many veterinarians have seen this where where families are on denial island and i've been there myself so no judgment i've been the king of, of denial island but we want to say we need to help this cat this cat is now actively suffering uh not even struggling like suffering and families don't you know the pet owner doesn't doesn't see it and i get it uh, but somewhere in between there and it's a very large space is a subjective time period and, you know, at any time during that time period, it's also a roller coaster. So there's good days and bad days. I support a family to say goodbye. So if we have a disease that's going to probably end their life within six months, or if we've got so many ailments that we're dealing with at home, I support the decision to say goodbye at any time during that subjective time period. So if a family calls me at Monday morning and says she had a horrible time this weekend, it was really hard to, for her to, to eat. She was peeing outside the litter box. She was crying all night. She wasn't comfortable. And we want to say goodbye. I'll say, absolutely, I support your decision. If they call me on Monday and said, oh my gosh, we did a bucket list. She had a beautiful weekend. Her pain was under control. Her anxiety was great. And that's how we want her to go. We want that to be her last weekend. I will support their decision. So it is so personal and it is a big chapter of my book. And I also have a lot of videos. So I, I have a QR codes in there that go to some of my videos that can be helpful too. I could talk a lot on quality of life. So I'm going to try to not take up another hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I agree that it's a personal journey. And I think probably the most poisonous aspect of the journey is caregiver guilt. 
So I talk about that a lot in my exam rooms. So can you say, you know, what, what your advice on guilt is? I always first have to say, do not, do not take on guilt that should never be ours in the first place. You know, and when you're making a decision to, to euthanize a cat, you know, so many families say, oh, I don't want to end their life. I always say we're not ending their life. We're ending the dying process. They're already going through this. They're already, the body is shutting down. The kidneys are shutting down or whatever, right? Maybe the problem. Cancer may be taking away their ability to eat, their happiness. They're, they're already dying. We're just ending that and we're ending it well. But man, do we feel guilty about it. You know, when I mentioned those families that are on Denial Island and they just can't do it and we see like massive problems. I, I'm not mad at these families. I don't feel, they love their cat. They just don't want to say goodbye. That's why I named the book. Nine lives are not enough. I need at least 98 lives. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I, it, my heart just breaks. It breaks for them. And so I know there could be many, many in our industry that might look down on these families that, you know, it's, I, I hate to say it, sometimes they're like Skeletor and they're horrible looking, but these families are heartbroken. This is their love. This could be also the last living link to a family member that they've lost. Like it's heart wrenching and they carry so much guilt to do this. So, so mother nature, you know, life ends at some point. And I think it is our responsibility as hard as it can be is to make sure that that ending is good. And that's how I pillow my head at night after doing, you know, a couple of euthanasias a day is that I said, I did it well. You know, we had, we were licking on ice cream. We had people there that the cat loved. We had music playing. And, and if we could make sure that we say goodbye with, with, with dignity and kindness and love, I know my families will be able to pillow their head at night one day too. And, and you know, the worst part of owning a pet is ever saying goodbye. So I think, I think, a lot, I, I think so many families do so much for our cats that we don't give them enough rep recognition. You know, like they love their cats. I just think that that we are such a death adverse society that we don't want to talk about it. And that's where I want this book. And when you do your podcast talking about end of life and making it not so mysterious can be really helpful during that, during that process. And hopefully, hopefully people will have less guilt. And I have a ton of stories in my book that I think a lot of people can relate to and know that they're not alone. So the stories are my favorite part. I mean, if you can have a favorite part, I, I people say to me all the time, oh my gosh, I couldn't be a veterinarian because of euthanasia. But really, if you do it well, it is a yeah, blessing. It really I, is. It is a gift. So, but, but the stories are my favorite part. So we have a comfort room in my hospital. And so we sit on couches with the pets and we tell stories about, I remember when she was a kitten and I remember when she ate a Christmas tree ornament. You know, we just tell stories <laughs> because right. they're worth it. I mean, they're worth all the pain. Oh, 100%. Try to bring it back to the positives, right? Totally. And I think also, uh, you know, journaling those things, right? And having the stories written down and taking videos and pictures that way you can look back and smile to know what, what a beautiful life that you had with that, with that pet. And I, I do love the stories. And it's, it's probably the best part of my job is I have my own journal of all the stories and, you know, that I've, that I've encountered with the families because they tell me their stories and even the goodbye is a story, right? It's just, a, it's just a chapter, a part of their story. And I love also, I suggest bucket list to do. And people are like, what does a cat put on a bucket list? I've got suggestions in my book yeah, about all the cool too. things. <laughs> and, and I have pictures of families that have sent me, here's our cat at the beach because, you know, they, and they have a little harness on and the cat was having a great time. But I've got a ton of suggestions for bucket lists and, you know, get a, 
get a photographer to, you know, I, I love a beautiful picture of an older cat, right? And, you know, the end of life, their, their last, you know, few years are just as beautiful as the beginning. And that's a perfect place to end it. I am so excited that you agreed to talk to me today. I love the whole idea of this book. I want all <laughs> of my listeners to get it, whether or not your cat is six weeks old or 16. I think that, yes. that there's something to be learned, but thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me on. Uh, of course, I want to thank my amazing producer, Mark Winter, um, because without him, Pet Life Radio would not be in existence. And don't forget to find me on all of my social media, um, Facebook and Twitter and all the other things. We would love to hear from you and check out Dr. Gardner. Can you share maybe some ways they can find out more about you? Sure. So Dr. Mary Gardner, it's easy to spell. That is my, that's my handle on all my social, including my YouTube, which has a ton of videos, like I mentioned earlier. So they can find me on Facebook and, and, uh, and Instagram, on YouTube. And my book is available on Amazon and, and all the online retailers as well. So in drmarygardner.com. Also, my website's got a ton of information. Okay, listeners, go and check her out. And while you're at it, have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.